In this episode, our parents continue to explore how to use the polyvagal theory in parenting. My mom's name is Mercedes Corona. And my dad's name is Justin Sinceri. They are licensed marriage and family therapists obsessed with learning about and applying the polyvagal theory. Welcome to the Polyvagal Podcast. Uh, Today's episode topic is self-regulation versus co-regulation in parenting. Then we're going to do a couple of announcements, your homework assignment. But before we get started, I want to make sure to let you guys know we, we want you guys to put yourself first. We try to keep every episode as safe as we can, but just by the nature of the topics we discuss, you might experience some stuff coming up for yourself. I, I think it's a safe one, I, I think, but I do think that when, we, when it comes to talking about parenting, of course, people are going to le- reflect on their own childhood, you know? Well, I'd anticipate maybe realizing what you're doing or not doing for your own kids, but also what you did and didn't get when you were a kid. So again, just make sure to take care of yourself, whatever that means. And uh, if you need to take a break, we will be right here and welcome you back with open arms. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Okay, so self-regulation. Self-regulation, I would define as the ability to use coping skills, weigh the pros and cons, use thought replacement or like deep breathing exercises, just the ability to regulate your nervous system in your state. And that if you find yourself dropped down the ladder, that you know what it takes to kind of get back up. That's what we expect kids to be able to do, like in in school, I think especially, or even at home as well, right? You know, if kids are having a fit, throw a tantrum, that parents expect them to be able to snap out of it. Uh, But children don't exactly self-regulate. I mean, they can, I guess, but they don't really have self-regulation for quite a while. Um, But they can build it. But they need co-regulation. I think they're born being able to accept co-regulation, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think... To be able to take in the safe and social cues and whatnot. Absolutely. I I think co-regulation is kind of a... Well, I don't know how this is going to sound. I kind of think co-regulation is a fancy way of saying being human, you know, making connections. And, you know, I'm not trying to be funny or silly with it, but I think really, you know, because that's what co-regulation is. We talk all the time about how we're a social species. I think we're even going to go into this later in the episode, but we're a social species We're we're as a mammal, as a mammalian animal, we are born to be with others of our species. And so within that, there has to be some level of co-regulation. So that, that piece, yes, I think... I think co-regulation is something that humans are born with. Self-regulation, I don't think so. No, but uh, yeah, so self-regulation comes from, it's built upon co-regulation. Uh, defensive states increase the heart rate and then decrease the ability to think clearly. So when we drop down the ladder, our heart rate goes up naturally and our ability to think clearly and to use self-regulation skills gets compromised. Basically, we have all this sympathetic energy. Actually, we'll talk more about kids, I think, um, our children. They have sympathetic energy with nothing to do with it. They don't know what to do with with that energy. This turns into like desperation, tantrums, anger, running away. I mean, these are the kids I think that, especially you work with the younger ones. Yeah. Uh, I work with teenagers, but I know this is, and which, you know, it's the same kind of things, but I think with the younger ones, you see more of a raw version of it. It's a more, yeah, it's a more pure kind of, yeah, raw version, definitely. Yeah, so lots of high emotional volatility, right? And again, I think we discussed it in our last episode. But, you know, toddlers are just like, like pure human. 
They are energy <laughs> and emotion and impulse and not self-regulation. Uh, have, but there's but there's nothing wrong with toddler. them. Or you had, I mean, he's he's four. Is that almost, still toddler? I, I think that's moving out of toddlerhood. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with children. They're just children. They're just not having kids. self-regulation. Yeah. Uh, kids naturally have a weaker social engagement system and and therefore a weaker vagal break. The vagal break is the, the impact of the social engagement system. It's the influence of the social engagement system to keep the heart rate um, lower. If the social engagement system gets removed, the heartbeat increases, was it 20 to 30 beats per minute? Yes. Like it goes way up. Yeah. Significantly up. Which is a lot. I hadn't really thought about that number, but 20 to 30 beats per minute is a lot. So kids need effective and consistent co-regulation. I don't mean like all the everyday parents are human too. Like we're not perfect. I don't provide my kids perfect co-regulation all day every day. I'm I absolutely make mistakes. You know, there's always room for improvement, and I think it's okay to give us get, to give ourselves that leeway. I don't think it's necessary to expect perfection. Yeah, but does co-regulation have to be? Does it have to be 100% positive and perfect all the time? Can't co-regulation also include something like, for example, you know, mom is really tired right now. You know, I'm mommy is having a really hard time. And so, you know, and like can't co-regulation be also role, role modeling how... Yeah, how, I think so. You know what I mean? Like how, how to mm-hmm. be tired, how to be grumpy in an appropriate way. And in that way, you're, we're also kind of co-regulating... And maybe that's an opportunity for the kid to kind of practice their nurturing skills because, you know, that's one of the things kids learn. Not that not that we want kids to start parenting the parents, but they're definitely going to learn their nurturing skills. And so, hey, mom, do you want a drink of water? Will that, you know, like, will that help? Maybe that's co-regulation too. So It totally is, yeah. M- yeah. Uh, modeling, of course, is, yeah. But I mean, you know, like parents are going to snap at their kids. Yeah. No one's perfect. That, that's what I mean. And I think it's okay to, to go easy on ourselves. And we talk about ruptures later on in this episode. Yeah. With some tips on how to repair it. Self-regulation, basically self-regulation is built upon co-regulation. And co-regulation is going to come from, I think, parents. In mo- for the most part, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, but we don't, I don't think we have to beat ourselves up. It's okay to go easy on ourselves. It's kind of the point, you know? Right. But it's just about trying your best in every moment. And sometimes my best in that moment is pretty bad uh, <laughs> and sometimes my best is pretty awesome so you know just yeah. do your best in every moment and whatever that means just learning to kind of accept it for yourself and be okay with it for yourself unless you're yelling all the time and really then ask yourself is this your best i think we have to ask yourself if you're doing the best you can yeah you know like realistically are you doing the best that you can and if not where, where can you grow and that's fine yeah. And then are are you growing or not or are you just sort of settling for uh for less, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think if people are always willing to grow and challenge themselves then like that's pretty awesome in my opinion. I think so. I think that's one of the most important ingredients if we're talking about parenting. I think that's probably one of the most important things. I think is setting aside your pride and just being willing to learn and grow as much as possible. Uh, Let's move into co-regulation. So when we talk about co-regulation, this is really where the bulk of your child's vagal break development will come from. I think it's important to to really think about the fact that we are a social species. We regulate with each other. And that co-regulation is really integral to our mental and our physical health. health. Co-regulation is, I think we've talked about it 
to death at this point is extremely important to our uh, climbing back up the ladder, obviously. Um, and that when we're safe with other mammals, that the safety leads us to be close and to be able to utilize touch, safe touch with each other. So think of skin to skin contact when when we're first born, you know, co-regulation begins in infancy. If you think of the things that we do with infants, with babies, we use lots of prosody, lots of eye contact for bonding and soothing. There's there's this language, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's something called motherese. And they've done these, um, you know, these research studies across different cultures and different countries and even um, generations. And motherese is something that is really um, constant throughout all of these different um, areas, places, cultures. And it's, it's the idea of, of, you know, mothers speaking in a slow mothers, or I want to, I want to point out, I've been called out on this mothers and fathers and whatever other form of caregiver. Yeah. I did a lot of this stuff with both my kids. And I especially remember during, during like um, changing diapers, I changed a lot of diapers and that was a fantastic. Yeah. No, I'm not being, I think that sounds sarcastic. I'm not being certain. There's sarcastic because there's i think a lot of fathers who were like mm. no I, I didn't pick up on sarcasm you know, no I, I appreciate that thank you but i don't know it's i'm the parent so i don't need praise for that you know well <laughs> i don't know i'm just gonna i'm still just like gonna to be give praise active when <laughs> when people say that i still feel like there are some people who just don't do it regardless like of course you're supposed to do it in my parenting groups usually it's just moms there yeah and every now and then we'll have one or two dads and I always point it out. I'm like, hey, we've got some dads here. You know, welcome, right? And I say, I don't see dads here very often. And then the moms will start to clap. And I say, no, no, no. They should be here. Don't clap for them. I just want to point it out. <laughs> I'm calling you guys out. It sounds... I just like I just want like to point compliment. it out. We're not going to praise... We're not going to go any further. I just want to point it out. And then I'm personally happy. Stop so We're not clapping. going to praise them for it. <laughs> this is definitely true for, I think, any parent. Um, I remember when I was changing... My kids' diapers, like I did all this stuff, uh, and it was it was such a good bonding time to have that the touch and the the eye contact, smiles. Like it was, it was a really really good bonding moment. Co-regulation, we said it it begins right away as soon as we're born. It begins in infancy, and it continues throughout childhood and even into adulthood. Uh, so some pieces of co-regulation. This is stuff that we talked I talked about early on, but now we're basically revisiting it uh, through the you know parenting lens, right? So the first piece of co-regulation is the feedback loop, which is important to understand. Feedback loop is basically just back and forth communication between two nervous systems, two people in our case, right? Right. Parent, child. Cues of safety equal connection and reciprocity, just like a give and take back and forth. And cues of danger equal disconnection or rupture, which we'll talk more about. Again, two nervous systems sending cues to each other. So from the kid to you, from you to the kid, and then even like if there's a spouse or sibling, they, they might be interjecting their own cues of safety or danger as well. Obviously, we want as many cues of safety as we can, but there are going to be ruptures. Ruptures are routine events that lead us away from safety, such as looking at a cell phone, looking away, internal distractions, or talking over another person. These will be ex- experienced as a minor, I think a minor cue of danger, but could also be a bigger deal for some people. Routine events with kids would be things like uh, watching TV and not hearing you more in like a more passive way. 
Uh, they're not actively ignoring you, but they just didn't hear you. I know with my kids, if they're watching TV, they, TV, they do not. They do not. Yeah. Like the rest of the world does not exist. Um, yeah. Other routine events would be like unexpected defiance about routine things like bath time, which is like a nightly thing. My son's like, no, I don't want bath time. Uh, or becoming quickly emotional when discussing the day at school, even though I'm just asking like basic things like, how was your day? And I don't understand that. And then all of a sudden my daughter's yelling up. Yes. For parents. Mine too. <laughs> you're, you're st- okay, good. My daughter too, yes. <laughs> For parents, it's uh, things like using their cell phones, listening to the radio in the car when the, the kid's trying to talk to them, or worrying about their own internal stuff. Ruptures can easily turn into self-criticism or judgment of the other person. So that child that passively didn't hear you is now judged to be actively ignoring you. They want to make you mad or now they have attention problems. So your kid might turn it into self-criticism for themselves if they're placing blame on themselves when they feel the withdrawal from you as the parent. They might blame themselves and say, well, I'm not lovable enough. I'm boring. You know, my mom doesn't think it's important to listen to me because I'm dumb. You know, whatever thing. They're going to be placing that blame on themselves. Ruptures can also be experienced as a withdrawal or a confrontation, excuse me, a confrontation. Um, So this is how to identify a rupture. You will feel a shift. So there will be the connection that you have, and then all of a sudden there will be the loss of that connection. It'll feel like a loss of something, like when your kid walks away from you or vice versa. Um, Or it, it can feel like a confrontation, like if your child blames you for something or vice versa. When ruptures happen, they need to be repaired. If not, your child's probably going to have uh, negative expectations of future interactions. So they're, they're going to expect um, to not be heard or not feel cared about. They're going to expect for the next rupture to happen. Uh, I think this is pretty easily solved through a simple apology. For these small things, Like an apology can go a long way, as long as you mean it. Don't expect them to forgive. Just apologize because you feel bad. That's it. Um, I think being empathetic and understanding where they're coming from, but also coming from your own compassion, uh, which is your just your love and your care for them, while understanding how they feel, that, that could be a really good way to repair. I think getting on their level is a really good idea, uh, making uh, gentle eye contact on their level to kind of co-regulate, give them space if they need to, don't rush things. I think all of these little pieces can help to repair these simple ruptures. These, I don't think a lot of these things are pretty simple and don't need much. But I know some some ruptures might be a little bit more heavy and you might need to really make an apology. Yeah, but I think like you said, like if it's a if it's kind of a I don't know, I don't want to call it a routine rupture. But if it is, a you know, something that just kind of happens, then there could be a routine, you know, repair for it. And it's it doesn't have to be a big thing. I think the important thing is for the kids to feel that it's genuine. You know, you mean it when you apologize. You mean it when you're trying to make safe, gentle eye contact. And, and they, they feel the connection again. That's that's what matters. The last piece here about... What are we doing here? Co-regulation? Yeah. The last piece here about co-regulation uh, is misattunement. This is two nervous systems in different states. So ruptures is when there's two nervous systems mostly in the same state. And then one of the nervous systems, one of the people does something like checks their phone. And that right. ruptures. That, that's a little rift in the... Okay. But a misattunement is when there's two nervous systems in different states. So that's like one person safe and social, but the other person might be flight or fight or shut down. It's a disconnect versus, like you said, like the rupture is a break in the connection, whereas with a misattunement, there's no connection to begin with. Well, I think, and I think that misattunement may come from ruptures. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah. That these little ruptures could lead to misattunement, especially if they're happening... 
frequently, I think. Yeah, and again, just going back to our previous point about repairs, I think I think definitely if there's a rupture and it's not repaired, then now we are in a misattunement. Yeah, that makes sense. Misattunement comes with a powerful story, is what we say, a powerful story for both people involved, lots of judgment and lots of blame. Someone who's in fight mode of the sympathetic state, they are not going to be attuned to someone who's in their safe and social state. So that person is safe and social to someone who's in fight state, there's going to be a lot of judgment there or a lot of aggression or blame or mistrust. Along with those pieces comes stories, like having a judgment about somebody else is going to be a story about that other person. Misattunement on both ends of things is going to be felt as a like a significant shift in state. You'll, you'll feel the difference. And being in different states could cause one or both people, both nervous systems, to fall even further down their own polyvagal ladder. For example, a kid who collapses is not going to respond favorably to a parent that is in an anxious or controlling flight state. Those two things don't really go well together. There's going to be a big mismatch and a big shift in state for both of them. They're going to feel that difference. Um, So that parent might drop further into their fight state and become more aggressive in order to get that compliance or control that they're looking for. So they started off in flight. They're, they're still in sympathetic arousal. They started off in flight. They just want to sort of, they're anxious. They want to get control. It doesn't go anywhere with someone who's in shutdown possibly. So then they drop further down the ladder and potentially into their fight mode and become more aggressive about it or more threatening. The key here is, is building awareness of your own state and your child's state, just learning how to do that a little bit more naturally. And that can really help to manage occurrences of misattunement in the future. And so hopefully you can avoid situations of misattunement. And again, we're not perfect. You know, parents are human beings. The children are human beings as well. But it's just about, you know, doing it a little bit better, doing your best in every moment. And if you can do it a little bit better and learn how to manage that a little bit better, that'd be awesome for for you and for your your kids. So just building that awareness. I think one step better every day is... It's a good goal to have, like one just little, one little baby step better. Uh, we said we have announcements, but we actually don't have announcements. What we're going to do is actually make a selfish request, which is that you subscribe to the podcast. When you subscribe, it tells your podcast service app, whatever it is, that this is good content. And then that app will be more likely to share this podcast with other people. So make sure you hit subscribe. Um, and then also when you subscribe, like on Apple, it automatically downloads for each episode. You don't have to remember and then search it out. It just automatically downloads for you every time we uh, upload something, every time we publish something. Here's the thing. I know you said it's a selfish request, but watch me spin this. Are you ready? It is a selfish request for Justin and Mercedes, but the goal of the podcast is to spread the information and really the only way we can spread the information is with your help, dear listener. So again, if you can subscribe, that will kind of bring more exposure to the podcast. And with more exposure, that means more people will listen and understand this information. And slowly but surely, the world will become a better place. You sold me. I'm sold. Sweet. So your homework assignment for this week is to the parents. And that means any form of parent, all the caregivers, Aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, teachers, moms, dads, of course, um, friends, neighbors, whoever you are in a child's life, make the extra effort to show your kids your face and your smiles. 
Send them those safe and social cues. Thank you so much for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode in the Trauma Nerds Community Forum. It's the non-therapeutic forum for the Polyvagal Podcast listeners to discuss the episodes with each other. Uh, actually, a lot of good conversations today. Yeah. So thanks for picking up. We hope this episode has had a direct and positive impact on you. If you missed something, there are more detailed show notes in the link in the description. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye. Are you a perfect parent? I am not a perfect parent. Uh, no, there are definitely a lot of times that I've... Uh... Is this one of those rhetorical question things? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I didn't actually mean it. Yeah. But <laughs> I know.